Welcome back, affiliated listeners. I am excited for today's conversation. When I saw it, it gets scheduled on the calendar. We've got Brett Alcorn here. He's the founder and CEO of Pineapple Products, which if you're not familiar with them, they are a scaled direct response e-com company, loads of different front-end offers in the supplement space. I'll let Brett tell a bit more about that. But I've known Brett for, gosh, we've crossed paths for years now. Um, always been very impressed with the business you've been building and kind of the behind the scenes stuff that a lot of people probably don't see for the masterminds we've been to and stuff. But Brett, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, likewise. Great to be here, Thomas. Yeah, I'd love to just get started a bit with, you know, kind of ease into the conversation, if you will, before we go super nerdy. But just how did you, I don't think we have, I've ever actually asked you this, but <laughs> how did you actually get started in like the online marketing space? And what did you do before that? Yeah, it's a it's a good good question, and uh, I think I always like to ask other entrepreneurs that because I I think it's never how you thought. You know, I, I was just like, uh, well, you know, you take any big company out there, and someone just thought of it one day, and then was like, I'm gonna go do this, and it's that's usually not totally. It does, it's not like a eureka moment, um, and it wasn't for me either. You know, it kind of was a organic progression of of slowly shifting um where i wanted to head and i i think it it really goes to say like it's good to to have a sense of like where you want to go and where you want to end up and and even how much money you want to make i mean i know there was somebody that i worked with once and they said um you know tell me exactly how much money you want to make and why and and what you're going to do with it all um i think maybe tony robbins has something similar mm -hmm. to that too that i've heard about but um you know, it, 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 at first I was like, well, this seems so dumb. Just show me how to run my business and let's not do this woo-woo inner game, mental mindset stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, now that I look back on it, I'm like, of course, you know, you need to know how much money you want to make because I, I think ultimately that's where you want to end up because that's that determines the questions that you ask other successful people. It determines who you think is successful or not successful based on your own definition of, of where you want to end up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think I'll, to a degree, I ended up where I wanted to end up because this is sort of like subconsciously, consciously where I, I set my, uh, my goals and my, you know, my inner, inner compass, my inner direction to go. But to answer your question, I was in school in New York city. I was at a design school and it was a cool school. It was a cool program. It was, um, an industrial design program. So basically doing like product design, a lot of focus on, um, you know, like user behavior, user interaction, what oh, people gotcha. need. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you make things easier to use? You know, we learned a lot from this company called IDEO. So they basically, they do, they're like the ultimate research company. They're so good at it. Like they don't even do it just for product design anymore. They can <laughs> fix any problem by doing research. And um, so it was a lot of that and a lot of manufacturing techniques, things like that. And I had always been also interested in business. So I was interested in design, interested in business. So I was pushing the school to let me take some business classes. I took some classes at Stern at NYU because the school wasn't really a, a business school. It was a design school. And then I also started going to meetup groups. So um, you know, this is around a, a pivotal point in time, at least in my memory, when this movie, The Social Network, came out. And oh, I sure, think yeah. <laughs> when that, when, when to me at least personally, when that movie came out, that was when people were like, "Oh, wait a minute, there's a lot of money in these like 
websites or you know whatever and then and then everyone was it was like a gold rush right um i mean the number of people who probably tried to start social networks of some sort after that movie came out was astronomical you know oh sure um or the next facebook right how many times you yeah Yeah. exactly exactly (laughs) yeah so i was going to like these meetup.com groups and I was going to all types of stuff. Meetup.com was was pretty cool back then, you know, so you would have people that would do seminars on, um, you know, self-help stuff. I was a young kid. So like, you know, anything to make my life better at that point, I was hungry to learn. So uh, self-help stuff, business stuff, startup world. Uh, I was going to a lot of meetup groups. And at some point, you know, I started volunteering at some of them because I wanted to go for free and I was a college student. And at one point, I took over one of these groups and started running it myself. And essentially the business model was I would go out, I'd find a speaker that people would be excited to want to hear from and, and learn from. And that speaker would come talk for free either because they wanted to promote their company or they had a service to sell, like some kind of coaching or consulting. So they'd come talk in my group for free. I'd rent out a space. I'd set up all the chairs. I'd set up a projector and an AV system and they would come and they'd give a presentation. And I would promote the group on meetup.com and through an email list. And then I'd get people to the event and it would just kind of grow organically from people joining the meetup group, friends telling friends about it. And, um, and then people started saying, Hey, I'm, I'm going to miss this week. Can you record it? And I'll pay you my attendance fee. So then I had three or four or five people a week coming or, or, or I would probably, so you're do doing weekly events on this and then every two weeks, every two weeks, every two yeah. weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe we would get like a hundred people max, you know, so it, w- it wasn't huge amounts of money, but it, w- it was not bad in college. Um, and I, I, I guess I didn't totally see it this way at the time, but I, you know, I was running a business. I was doing my entrepreneur thing and, and that was cool. Um, your first step into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about my first step. Like, if you want to go all the way back, oh sure, sure, uh, yeah. You know, I had a like stand where I sold. I was into like collecting <laughs> rocks, so I sold rocks on the side of the street. And then I went to a really hippy dippy school, and we did an exercise where everyone had a store in a classroom, and 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 you got fake money, and you know, you learned like how the how the economy worked through like buying stuff from each other. And then me and my friend, who were both entrepreneurial, the next year in that hippy dippy school, we said we want to open the store again all year round for real money in the class and that the school is just so laid back that they were like yeah sure totally Um, yeah so me and my friend were making like 300 dollars selling school supplies in our classroom uh we were renting videos i was making incense holders out of out of clay uh you know it was was, i mean it was fun yeah it was fun so that that was the first ever entrepreneurial uh venture that i had so this was really the second one um and so, yeah, the, you know, that was the business model. And then once I had the recordings, I said, look, let's take this online because I'm struggling to get more than 100 people on a good week to show up for this thing. I don't see an opportunity to grow this. If I could do this online, maybe it could be, you know, 10 or 100 times as big. Maybe it could be nationwide or global. So I tried to do that. And that was really hard. That really didn't work. Um, I remember there was one guy who came to talk and he was a, he was a consultant. And he had online courses and he told me, he's like, I'm making a million dollars a year with these online courses. And I was like, whoa. So (laughs) I was like trying to figure out everything this guy was doing. I would talk to him, ask him all these questions, you know, and 
and he would share some information with me here and there. He wasn't, you know, telling me everything, but he, he'd help me out a little bit. And, um, so that's when I learned about, uh, about, you know, copywriting and sales letters as a business model. And so essentially mm. the way that that works is, and I, and I found this out the hard way because I, I hired a copywriter. So I asked this guy, I said, what do I do? He's like, well, you can learn copywriting, but you can hire somebody. So I hired somebody for like $10,000 who was recommended. And I said, I've got all these recordings. And, um, you know, I've got people who have agreed to, to help promote this as, as an affiliate. Um, but I need a, a sales letter or a sales page for all these recordings that I have. And I'm going to give them away in a package. And this guy, you know, I gave him 10 grand. He put together this sales page and said, okay, you know, it looks pretty good. And he even had to help me with more stuff than he was expecting. He's like, this is how you set up a split test. And yeah, you know, I could do the web page part. Um, I had some, you know, some tech experience and I was into computers when I was a kid. So I got that part. Um, So we set up this web page and I had my friend promote it and he comes back to me and he's like, I'm sorry, Brett, I like you. I can never promote this again. This did awful. Um, You know, it's just, it's just really no good. And that was kind of like my oh crap moment because I realized, you know, I just had no idea what I was doing and I had tried to throw money at the problem. And I guess in my head, the way I thought that the steps would play out is I'd hire the copywriter. The copywriter would write a great letter. Then I'd find affiliates. They'd promote the offer. I'd have money rolling in and then I'd go from there. Right. I didn't foresee. Yeah. I didn't foresee (laughs) that I would hire the copywriter and it wouldn't work because I didn't know something that I needed to know. Um, You know, and I've had to learn that lesson a lot. And, and I've also learned that, you know, if you, don't know what you're doing and you do try to throw money at a problem, it can, it can usually be pretty disastrous. So that's when I started reading books on, on copywriting. And, um, you know, I would say that that got me a little bit of progress, but I really didn't get major progress until I found a a copywriting coach. So this was somebody who's already good at copywriting, um, who could coach me and then, uh, and then he could, you know, that's that's copy yeah i chat with a lot of copywriters right in the space and things like that and that that junior copywriter piece is a it's a grind right there (laughs) they're trying to make it they're trying to get clients they're trying to do whatever they can how did you find a copywriting coach to kind of take you under the wing yeah i think through word of mouth um i'd have to ask my coach uh you know, how we originally got connected back then. Um, but you know, he probably came recommended to me and, um, and I talked to him and, you know, I said, here's what I'm trying to do. And he sounded like he knew enough to, to help me with that. And, uh, you know, I definitely worked with more than one coach, but one person sort of helped mm-hmm. me, you know, when I had no knowledge and that person, uh, his name's Colin Chung. He actually works in my company now as the director of copywriting training, my copywriters. So, yeah, you know, it's kind of come full circle in a way um, where we're we're working together again, but in a a different capacity. So that's pretty cool. You know, Colin's great. Um, I think he's a, you know, great at training people. Um, Definitely, you know, if anybody's listening and they're a copywriter and and looking for work or looking for education or to join a company, you know, we're we're always hiring and you can email me or email Colin. Um, But, uh, you know, he, he really helped me kind of get from, from nothing to something. And, and ultimately it was, it was finding more coaches, 
better coaches, coaches that were more specified in the, in the areas in which I was trying to write to uh, that led to bigger and bigger success and asking other business owners who were having the type of success that I wanted to have, how they recommend that I do that. And, you know, some people didn't want to be forthcoming with that information or didn't <laughs> want to give me the time of day. You know, they're like, I worked hard to get to this and screw you. I don't know who you are. You're just some random guy. <laughs> but other other people I was a little friendlier with yeah. and they were a little more giving and they, you know, could see that I was really trying to bust my butt to make it. And they were like, I remember when I was there, too. And they helped me out, you know, and they weren't so worried about me, you know, being a competitor and destroying their business or whatever. So and, and I don't think that that was a real threat to them anyway. So no, I've, I've always been very impressed with the space, but how forthcoming people are. Right. And I think game respects game. Right. So when they see someone that's hustling and making maybe not the right moves, but the right moves for them right then, <laughs> they recognize that and can jump in and like, oh, hey, you know, here's a, a path forward that helped me kind of thing and can really help people elevate were these most yeah. were you finding most of these people through the live events you were throwing or is it from different events you're going to or like how were how are you kind of networking through all that time period yeah so that's that's a good question right so when i when i found my friend who had offered to promote this course he had uh he was part of like a network of people and so i was able to meet a bunch of other people and they were all in contact with each other because essentially they had a um in, in some ways, it was it was a business and advice network, but in other ways, it was also a cross-promotional network. So, you know, different people would have different courses and they would all promote each other's courses because, you know, with with um, with online courses and books and, and even health supplements, right, when someone wants to get fit, they might buy five books on getting in shape or they sure. might buy yeah. five health supplements to get ripped <laughs> at the gym or whatever. So... It's not really like a winner takes all market, whereas if you've got somebody who's buying a cell phone, right, if they buy an iPhone, everyone else is screwed, right? So those markets are a little more cutthroat and you don't have uh, the CEO of Samsung calling and asking the CEO of <laughs> Apple for help because it is a cutthroat market and it is, you know, kind of like a fight to the death. Uh, whereas with these online courses, it's not a fight to the death. So you can learn a lot about entrepreneurship. And, and that's one of the reasons that I'm kind of grateful that it's my entrance into the business world, because, uh, you know, I, I, I think it provided me a lot more opportunity to learn and grow from other people. Whereas if I had come up in another industry, I'm sure there still would have been people I could have learned and, and grown from. Uh, but, you know, maybe they would have been running slightly different businesses or whatever. So. Sure. Yeah. So did, were you able to get that, like uh, the course recording, were you able to get that product off the ground or is that something that so you it, ended up? Yeah. Yeah. The, the big aha moment I think there was working with a copywriting coach to get the copy substantially better. Right. And, and this is one of the reasons why I'm not always a fan of books is because uh, especially when it comes to building a skill or, or self growth or whatever is it oftentimes, you know, if someone can see you, they can diagnose you. Right. It'd be like reading a book, uh, a medical textbook instead of going to the doctor or something like that. Like it'd just be really inefficient and slow and difficult. And you probably make a lot of mistakes. Whereas the doctors done this a hundred times before they know what to do. Uh, they can find the problems easily, tell you how to fix them. They've, they've done it a hundred times before and they can do it in their sleep. So that getting that type of person in my life, like a coach, the right person, right coach was, was integral. And then learning that uh, I, I, 
ultimately, I didn't think people really wanted to buy this big group of courses, that it was a lot of random information. And I don't think I was selling it as well as I could have either. I mean, I think I, I probably could sell it better now. But ultimately, people want to achieve a goal and they want to have some kind of A to Z system for how to do that, right? So if you have somebody who's teaching you how to be better at a sport or whatever, they're like, I've got a system. I hone it over the years. Here's why it's better than anything else. Or, you know, let's say it's a very specific system. Like my, my parents are super into tennis, right? So if some guy's got a course just on backhand shots, right? He can be like, look, you know, there's people to go to for forehand and all this stuff, but this is the best thing for backhand, right? I got the best backhand They really system. niche down, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and he's going to, he's got, he's got a system for how to use it. So here's what you do in all these different situations and why and proof that it works. Um, and he's also got a system to teach you, right? So he's like, okay, you know, uh, I'm going to give you these drills that are proven to accelerate your learning and, and, you know, you're going to be able to do these backhand shots too. Um, it's not going to take you three years or a year. Like it took me, I've found a way to make it so efficient. You can learn it in just three months, right? So you're going to be learning it 10 times faster than it took me to figure it out. And, you know, twice as fast as it took me to teach my right. you know students yep. for the first five years, because I've gotten so much better at this. So then you feel like, okay, this is, valuable. I've got somebody who's really good at this thing. He's got a really good system. Lots of other people are using it and they've given testimonials and talked about it. And he's got a really fast way of teaching it to me. And it's not going to be a huge amount of time and energy and effort and work because he's, he's so efficient with it. So that is, that's kind of like the bare bones argument for this. And, <laughs> you know, the guy could go into the, the different, you know, things that are different about his system and why, why it's better. Right. Like, you know, if I knew more about tennis, I could probably give you an example, but, um, you know, for example, with, with I, I played hockey as a goalie and, you know, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, there was this dispute over whether you would play butterfly style where you always go down on the shot and one where you stand up, right? People would argue okay, if you yep. stand up, you can move around better and it's and, and you're more mobile and it's better. And the butterfly people argued um, it's too, you know, the puck could bounce off anything. It's too hard to react last minute. And so you just want to statistically create as much coverage as possible. Um, you know, so... That would be an argument if you had just invented the butterfly style, like, who, you know, whoever invented it. I think it was mostly like this, this goaltender, Patrick Waugh, who played for the Canadians. So he would come out with the course and he'd say, look, like everyone is all about standing up. But I, I won the Stanley Cup and I've been VIP and all this stuff. And, you know, here's my method. And basically it's based on statistics. And I'm going to. I'm not going to tell you how to implement it in my marketing, but I'm going to tell you why it's different and why it's better and why mm -hmm. I'm, you know, why I'm the, you know, show you all the proof about how I'm the best. I'm one, the cop, one VIP, all this, you know, things. So, um, or MVP. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what a, what a course would be like from that perspective. So I needed to make it more of a course and let's say, you know, here's just sort just of library some, of things. Some, yeah. yeah, because it's random, you know, it's random. Yeah. And ultimately, it doesn't help people achieve a certain goal. And people want to pay more money to achieve a certain goal, whether it's to obtain some kind of license uh, to do something or, or a skill or an ability, right? You know, 
people go to college, they want to essentially be certified to be able to do a job. You get a degree mm -hmm. in something. paid more so money than if they had a yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's yeah. a big part of it. But also the college tries to sell them on the idea that the degree is they are guaranteed or, or certified that they are good at this all of a sudden. So that's that's what people want to do, right? You want to say, hey, you want to learn guitar, you want to learn uh, tennis, you want to be certified good at this thing, and it's going to be better than anyone else does it, and here's why. Gotcha. No, and so that sounds like that was a big aha kind of, not maybe moment, but that was like your aha journey a bit. Massive. Yeah, <laughs> that combined right. with the copywriting yeah. skills, that was that was what success was. Yeah, it's really narrowing I, down the, mm -hmm, the USP mm -hmm. of a product and the benefits and the features that you delivered that to somebody in a way that's compelling. And so from there, how did you go from digital course to now where you're at, which is very established, you know, supplement brand? It's a kind of a, I've seen the pivot before, but I don't know if I've seen it done at the scale you've done it from that different type of business model. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I was probably not, you know, not one of the most advanced or senior people in, in this world, but I started to get to know the players and who was doing well and, you know, kind of make a mental chart about how much money everyone was making and who was where <laughs> in the leaderboard, uh, if you, you know, you want to think of it like that. So, you know, I, I there were definitely people in, in, in the world that I was in that were making about $20 million a year. And then there were, there, you know, there was one guy who was going well above that. Um, are you talking, sorry, are you towards, talking like company gross revenue or are you talking take? Or yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Gross revenue. There was one guy headed, you know, to 30, 40 and eventually 50 million. And he had moved on to, to health supplements and, and, um, and just in general health topics, uh, health eBooks, that sort of thing. So, uh, I was seeing tremendous growth. That was actually the same person that, that told me they were making a million dollars a year and got me oh, into this in the first okay, place, so right? So yeah. yeah, that was somebody who was who had always sort of been very innovative, uh, head of the pack, that sort of thing. And I saw them and, and, and some other very smart people both move to health supplements at the same time. And I said, you know, this is, if both these people are doing this at the same time, this is significant, right? Gotcha. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I probably didn't move as fast as I could have. Like I was, you know, slow to figure it out, slow to get over there, all those things. How how did you stay in touch with these people? Was it something you're just noticing online, like on Facebook, or is it something that you're talking with them regularly? Is it a mix of both? I think the people that were kind of like second tier, um, I was you know, I, I would be in touch with them regularly. I could hop on a call with them. They would help me, you know, they were, they were significantly ahead of where I was, but they were nice mm -hmm. enough to help me. And, and we had some kind of business relationship going. And then for these people that, you know, the guy who told me he was making a million and then, and then went on to 50 and doing health supplements and this other health supplement company, um, I was in touch with them less, you know, and I, uh, I got the sense that they, I don't know. You know, they were they, they were having so so much success. They didn't, and 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 very few other people were having success like that. That they they clammed mm -hmm. up about what what they were doing, what their strategy was, all all things sure. like that. So, <laughs> um, but you know, I could see generally what they were doing. So I knew generally I had to head in that direction. Um, you know, putting all the the pieces together was more difficult. 
Yeah. So let's walk through that a little bit. When you were making this shift, then were you, did you sunset your digital course company or does that still exist? And did you pivot? Like, what was that transition like going from online course, digital company to supplement company? That's uh, a big question, but yeah, it wasn't that difficult. Um, you know, uh, like some people say, well, you've, you know, you've got to figure out how to make the supplements and do fulfillment and things like that. Um, I mean, I didn't find it to be an incredibly complex problem to solve just because I think the infrastructure for those types of businesses is, um, pretty soundly set up. I mean, you know, you can go to a health supplement manufacturer and they want your business and you're just going to say, well, I want to, I don't really know anything about this. I just want something that's going to, you know, boost your immune system and they'll just come up with it for you, you know, because they sure. want your business. So you don't have to be a doctor would, to formulate something, right? You can <laughs> lean on yeah, people. Yeah. 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 You know, and you can do your own research about which ingredients are good. I mean, it, it can be tough to navigate the results of studies on a, on a mm. deep level, but, um, you can you could at least find articles about certain uh you know supplements nutrients foods and and quotes from those studies that helps uh helps get started but ultimately yeah you can also go to the manufacturer and the manufacturer can put together a formula for you and say hey you know if you want something unique we thought maybe this would help and they'll just they'll try to do something to help you get started and so when but so did you just make a hard shift and just like go right into that? Were you building that up while the online course business was still humming along? Like, how was that? Yeah, point, to, did, I did yeah. it together. I, you know, mm -hmm. the online course business was pop, uh, you know, it was doing well enough revenue wise that it didn't really make sense to jettison it. And I was able to use people that were working on that business to work on the new business. So, you know, when I said like things kind of evolved organically, uh, it wasn't like that aha moment where it's like, well, did, what, you know, Brett just woke up one day and said, I'm going to create this health supplement company and then went and did it. And, you know, <laughs> it didn't didn't happen like yeah. that, you know, um, and I don't necessarily think it happens like that for for a lot of people, like the, the way that they ended up where they ended up. You're, you're probably not going to guess it. So for me, it was, you know, I, I wanted supplemental education in college, started going to all these meetup groups, uh, started running one, met this guy who was having success as a consultant, selling online courses, tried to do it myself, failed, uh, got more help, more advice from people, got it right the next time, um, you know, built and grew that business and then watched what the big guys were doing and, and, and followed in their footsteps. That was, you know, like I, I gave a, a presentation recently at the Traffic and Conversion Summit, and that mm -hmm. was one of my big things, right? It's a simple thing. But I was looking towards what these these big players were doing. And, you know, I wouldn't say that that's like public knowledge, right? It's not like on somebody's blog somewhere or on the cover of a newspaper that these companies are making a change to to health supplements. I mean, in, in a way, I had some insider knowledge because I knew friends of friends and they're like, you know, these guys are doing yeah, yeah they were doing. Yeah, you get like numbers from people and stuff. So you'd be like, OK, I don't think this is BS. Um, you know, so knowing where the ball is headed or the hockey puck is headed, I think that's critical, right? Like if someone asked me, like, you got to go into a new industry, you can't take, uh, you can't go in this industry. You got to start from scratch. What would you do? 
I would try to network like crazy to understand what, who's making the most money there and what direction things are headed so that I can aim, you know, ideally ahead of where those other people are headed, where they're trying to get to in an effort to catch up to where they are. So I want to, I want to, I don't want to just, you know, catch up a step by step because it would be too slow. It would take me too long to get to where they got to yeah, by the time that I got there. Before you got somewhere. Yeah. It'd be <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's too slow, right? The problem mm-hmm. is the world is always changing. So if you get to where someone is now in 10 years, that business opportunity might not be there anymore. And part of the reason is, you know, the world changes, but the other part of the reason is there might be 50 other people like you who are all thinking like you are moving at the pace that you're moving. And there's just not a big enough market for 50 people. So sure. You've got to be able to disrupt fast. Yeah. 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 Or catch up to people quickly. Yes. And that's a good point too. Yeah. Yeah. When, so how long, I guess, so do you still have the course business or is that? That was, that's the business that we sold. So at one point, you know, I think that maybe that peaked at like, uh, about $3.5 million a year, Mm -hmm. something like that. And then it, it kind of, drop down to a steady million dollars a year without any energy in it really. Sure. Um, you know, so I basically said, I'm going to put all my focus and energy into the, uh, into the, um, the supplement business. And I'm just going to let this other thing run on autopilot and it was fine. And then, you know, at some point I said, look, I, I think this is actually kind of a, a distraction and I think it would be better to not have to worry about all these products and things and and just not have to worry about this and and turn the page um mostly to increase focus right to clear the Mm. the playing field so that there's you know one more one specific goal so that was what ended up happening ended up finding somebody who had bought a couple other businesses and and that i knew and i had approached him and he just said he was interested and we were able to work out a deal that I thought was pretty fair. And so, yeah, so that deal was done in March and now, um, I, oh, that was this I, year, I think it's so that was pretty recent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's, it's good. You know, we're, we're able to focus more on, on the task at hand. And I, I think that's good. You know, you want everybody looking eyes on the goal, rowing in the same direction. Uh, and, and it's great to have that. So. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that because I see a lot of solopreneurs that try to do multiple businesses, right? And that's hard in itself. Then I've seen too where internal teams are getting pulled in different directions where they've got split focus, trying to build very different things, even inside a single business, let alone two. So there's something there. When you sold the business, I'm just curious, did you have employees that were a part of that that also went or is it just kind of the assets and the business and they built the up assets, the assets? Yeah. yeah. Okay. At that point, everyone was had moved over to working on the health supplements. So Gotcha. Yeah. So it was, so it sounds like it was less of a big pain point for you to sell. I mean, like I just need to get rid of this it's more of just a, Hey, this is fine where it is. Someone else could do a lot better with it. We were going this way. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. That's really, okay. That's really intriguing. Yeah. Um, and was that, I imagine, is that the first business you've sold? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it was not really one of these things where I'm like, you know, I'm going to build this business to, to sell it in five mm-hmm. years. Like it was definitely not one of those situations. So what are some, uh, since it's so fresh for you, gosh, I'm just you know, 
podcasts are evergreen. It's November, 2022. So you sold in March, 2022. What are some things you would tell someone looking to sell a digital business, right? Like that they might need to think about that you just went through. What are some big, like, Oh man, I wish I would have done that a little differently. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have any regrets. Like I had, Oh, nice one. Smooth. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd actually been on the other side of trying to acquire someone else's business. Cause they had approached me about it to see if I was interested. And I was, and they ended up selling to this other guy that I sold to as well instead. Um, but I had gone through the motions a little bit on the buyer side. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that, you know, this was, this was pretty simple for me. I mean, I knew that this guy bought a, a bunch of other businesses. I kind of could verify, um, and did you, and just, so when you went out that way, were you just like, can you, did you just put out feelers or did you know these people already that were like, kind of merger and acquisition focused or like, how'd you kind of start that process? You just kind of hit close friends and contacts to say like, Hey, I'm interested in selling this and went from there. No, I just went right to this one guy who had bought oh, cool. yeah. my <laughs> other friend's business and and he just yeah. said, yeah, I'm interested. And, and that was it, you know, and uh, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's good to, I, 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 look, I think the price was fair. Um, there was no bidding war or anything like that. I, I didn't really see a need at the price range I was looking at to, to create any kind of bidding war. Um, you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's, 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 it's not, people don't see it as worth the effort to, to go and, and put that out there, you know, and, and I didn't know anybody immediately offhand that I thought might be interested. So it took, uh, you know, it, it, I, I figured it would take a lot of time and work to network and try to dig up people and, and, and they, they probably wouldn't be as well equipped to, to handle the purchase as this person. Like one thing that I thought was good was I wanted someone who had already done this before and, and made it mm -hmm. work because you want the, you want the sale to go successfully because if, you know, some of the payments are going to be paid over time from income of the business are, are dependent on the business continuing to perform a certain way. You want somebody who's going to be able to, run the business and it's not going to screw up sense. and go yeah, bankrupt or, it up or, and yeah. drop it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You could not get paid all the money that, that you wanted to. So, um, to me, like just knowing I could trust the, the buyer to run the business well was, was important. No, I love that. It sounds like people for you have been a big part of your growth, right? The networking and like the connections and relationships you have in the space and outside the space. I'm really curious about internally for like pineapple products, for example, like how, and if you can speak maybe a little bit to just the size of your company and employee size and maybe revenue size of, of, of however comfortable you are doing that. I'm just curious on the operational piece, because it sounds like you've got a pretty steady hand on the people side of things. And I imagine that bleeds over to your business operations too. Yeah, I mean, if you asked me this year, I'd probably say, uh, you know, I, I, my grip is not that steady, but, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm learning, right? Um, you know, I think part of learning is, is making a lot of mistakes. And, uh, you know, I think one thing everyone should understand who's listening to this podcast is the idea of split testing, right? And to me, I mean, obviously, you try to do it intelligently. You come up with ideas that sound good, but, you know, you split test. 10 different ideas and 
you know, maybe two of them are, are going to be good and two will be okay and two will be meaningless and four will be really bad. Um, you know, so you really, you're really only going to get two, two big wins or one big win from, from 10 things that you test, even if you test well, at least that's what I find. So, um, you know, I, I find that it's, it's been the same with people, you know, I'll, I'll say, well, we could do it this way or do it that way. And, and we might try it out, you know, and, and obviously I, again, I try to do it intelligently. I try to look at what other companies are doing, try to ask other companies, like, how do you do it? How do you solve this problem? What does your company structure look like? Um, you know, try to understand that or, hey, we've got this problem in this department. Like, how did how did you solve this problem with this department? Right. So, um, you know, you can definitely try to solve it yourself. But I think that that's oftentimes one of the worst things you could do if, if someone's already come up with a solution. Right. Because just because, like I said, if you're going to split test something, you're going to get it wrong like 80 percent of the time. Right. So unless you're a genius uh, and I don't think like I really am, then I'm, I'm going to come up with good ideas, but they're not going to be genius level ideas. And so I'm going to try to implement things and it's 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 probably going to fail a lot and it's going to take a lot of hard work and sticking with it and grinding. And what if we try it this way and try it this way and try it this way and try it this way? And then, oh, OK, we finally got it. You know, and a lot of business is just that it's just sticking with it through five failures in a row to get to the sixth success and then moving on and repeating that problem again and or that whole thing again and again and again and again, you know, just trying to solve a problem, trying to solve a problem, trying to solve a is problem. There, is there a, a recent, is there a recent like breakthrough on a problem you've had in the last three to six months that you're just like, oh, that was a big one for us? Uh, I mean, in the last two years, that's, that's not as recent. I'll, I'll try to think of one more recently, but like a, a major change in the business was, you know, we, we, be, we were really good at affiliate marketing. That was what I was good at, how I started the so business affiliates off, driving right? revenue. Yeah, to... that was where all the okay. traffic mm -hmm. came from. And I had partnerships with people. And then, uh, you know, I was very good at copywriting, right? And combining those two things, copy had to be really amazing. And the offer and the product had to be really amazing. And then you had to have good, relevant traffic. Um, you know, but everybody I knew who was blasting off beyond where I was, had major tier one traffic sources working. And so I probably tried to crack that code for, I don't know, a year and a half. And it was, it was frustrating and brutal. And I spent ungodly sums of money on it. And <laughs> I assume uh, you're talking Facebook here. Is that? Yeah. I mean, Facebook and, mm -hmm. and Google. So, um, you know, I mean, I, you know, I can't tell you how many things I tried that failed and it was like failure after failure, after failure, after failure, after like, sort of kind of small, meaningless success that doesn't really move the needle <laughs> and then failure and then failure. So, uh, um, you know, but, but a around two years ago we had a breakthrough and we started doing really well on YouTube. And this was during a time when, when not nearly as many people were talking about it. Right. Sure. I had heard through the grapevine, a friend was having some success on YouTube. I thought it sounded crazy. I talked to him he helped me out, which was integral. And then he told me who he learned this from. And then that guy helped us out. And then, you know, we started working with another consultant who was super helpful. And that was, that was like a turning point. And then we got the right agency for Facebook after, you know, I don't know, 10 strikeouts. And, 
all that stuff really took off like around uh, December, Jan January, 2021, you know, and that, that really like changed my business and my business trajectory sure, uh, yeah. immensely. Right. And, and I knew it was possible because I knew other people were doing it. So I, that's what kept me going, um, you know, to solve that problem. I always ask myself, like, if I had to do it all over again, you know, how would I do it? And I probably just, if I could try to get in touch with the people that were already having the kind of success that I wanted to have and asking them, you know, I'm banging my head against the wall trying to figure this out. Can you throw me a bone? You know, like, you don't have to give me your employees or anything like that, but sure, can I just talk, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> like anything, where here, can yeah. I get started? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it, it kind of just, it, it, you know, it's funny, like how the, the, the better you get at business, the more simplistic the advice becomes, uh, you know, just, <laughs> oh yeah, just go ask somebody who's already doing what you want to do, how they're doing it. Oh, you know, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, Dan, that's obvious. Thanks for that. Great tip. Well, no, I think it's worth saying because I, I mean, I parrot that a lot too to people. It's like you got to network. Like it, it seems like everyone wants to be a keyboard warrior to a degree and like figure it out themselves. But oh man, network, that, that's really one help, of the worst things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. trying to figure it out in a void is it's it's it's, it's so doable, dangerous. But it's just <laughs> yeah, it's a it's long gonna road take to you hope. ten times yeah. as long, and you mm -hmm. ultimately won't succeed. Like if you want to uh you know to, to catch up to where people are you're gonna have to ask people for help or figure out what they're doing one way or another right you know talk to other people how did they sure. have this success oh i know that guy he hired this agency you know whatever it is like you, you got to try to figure it out with all your might and and talking to other people the right people is, is what's going to make a difference so that's huge and i'd love to go back to that traffic piece really quick so when you were before you figured out the, I call it cold traffic, before you figured out the media buying, it sounds like, um, how much of it your customer acquisition was through affiliates on like a percentage basis? Was it like 80, 20, was it 70, 30? And then what is it now after you've been able to crack that? Uh, yeah, this is, this is a statistic mm -hmm. that really shocks people. So, yeah. I mean, at one point my, uh, you know, my business was 100% affiliate traffic. Mm -hmm. Now it's probably 10%. Oh, wow. So, and so, okay, sorry, I'm going on that real quick. So is that 10%? Is that the same number it was two years ago? You just had, I've added it's additional bigger. pie or it's is it tr bigger now? Bigger. Oh, dude, that's awesome. revenue has grown and it's a fraction of what it was, you know, and, and, and everything that ever, I had ever heard about other people having success with tier one traffic sources and all this stuff, you know, it's true. And I don't even think I have a command over this stuff that, you know, the, the big fish in the space do. I sure, mean, I think yeah. they're probably, they're probably able to do it three to five times more effectively than I can right now. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I really, I really hope people can key into that. Cause that's something I see as a big missing piece of a business is when affiliates are a great customer acquisition strategy. Obviously I'm biased and all that to where I work, <laughs> but it's a, um, people who can control their own destiny to a degree with figuring out those cold traffic pieces, it's a rising tide, right? Your offers perform better. It's bet your affiliates perform better. Like everything can kind of go up that way. So do you have, can you just um, break down your, maybe your team structures a little bit? Like what I imagine you've got, I can take some guesses here, but I'd love for you to just break down the kind of the way you've structured your teams at pineapple products. Yeah, sure. Um, it's, it's still evolving. 
uh, I would say a major transformation in the business happened after we really figured out how to advertise on YouTube and Facebook. I figured, so at yeah, that point, mm -hmm. yeah, that was kind of, I don't know, you know, you, you think like if there was an initial, like one first McDonald's franchise, uh, they probably got that to a certain level of quality and efficiency and profitability. And then they said, okay, this is amazing. It's working great. Now we've got to go take this and replicate it a thousand times or however many times they, you know, they, they set out to do that initially. So it's similar where I said, okay, we have this supplement concept. The goal was to get it to work on Facebook and YouTube. And we've reached that goal. Uh, we've hit the revenue numbers that we, that, you know, I fantasized about hitting or, or hoped that I would hit or saw other people hitting. So we got there, we did it, we proved that it could work because for a long time I would go to people and I would say, well, wh why do I keep striking out on Facebook and YouTube? What am I missing? What are these other guys doing? You know, and I would try to get advice from anybody. And some people would just say, hey, look, like your, your products, your product just <laughs> sure. must not be the Facebook right product. It, but, or, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that ended up totally not being the case. Like my gut was it, I thought the product was good because it was working great with affiliates. And I'm like, well, look, if, if a bunch of people want to buy this and they think it's, <laughs> it's a you know, they think sign, it's in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, you know, that should transfer over. Mm -hmm. So it took a while to, to crack the code and ultimately prove that the product was something that would work on those tier one traffic sources. And then once we got that, once we proved that, then I said, okay, I think we've got it figured out and this is a repeatable formula and we can now go and we can do this for other products. So now the thing to do is to go make more products. So that, you know, that triggered a redesign of what the team should look like. And then I said, well, we've got to become a company that went from trying to advertise one product online to being a company that can now create more products every year and, and just have a system of, of, of creating products. So, you know, if you're going to come out with a lot of products, you're going to do a lot of repeatable processes and you're going to need you're going to need to figure out basically what your conveyor belt looks like, right? Who are the different people on this conveyor belt? What are the different steps and the different processes? Um, obviously, I knew copywriting was going to be a huge part of that. Video is a huge part of that, right? Every Everything these days is all trended um, very strongly towards video. Sometimes it's high quality video. Sometimes it's more like uh, user generated content and things like that. But, you know, all video and, and you need, you know, you need to direct what type of video you want to come up with and edit it and render it and, and, and publish it in the various formats that you need it. So you need a video team. You need somebody, if you're doing health supplements, doing product development. So you need a way to develop products, research products, right? It's a, it's a big industry and it, it can be tough to navigate, maybe not as much as some other industries, but you know, you've got, um, private manufacturers that are developing proprietary formulas that you have to pay extra money for, but sometimes have some really cool studies. And then you've got mm -hmm. more generic, more available stuff. And that stuff is way cheaper and will really bring down the cost of your product. But, you know, you've got to sort through all these studies and find out are these studies legitimate or not. And then we've got, you know, doctors that we work with and, and they want to see the studies too and make sure the studies reach a certain level of quality and, and legitimacy because there's a lot of studies out there that are like done paid for by the manufacturer that might be on like 12 people and it's, and it's not that great of a study. So, 
Um, you know, we've got on the conveyor belt, we've got uh, product development, we've got copywriting, we've got video, video team. Um, and then on the, um, on the operation side of things, just making sure that the, the, the business is working, um, having the right finance team, you know, that's really my big project right now is, mm -hmm. is that, and, uh, and, and data, you know, making sure all we have, we have access to all the reports and, and say, you know, someone can say, well, I want to look at it yeah, this way you... or add this mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Are you using any data like BI tool or are you kind of building everything just like with Excel monkeys and stuff or like, what are you, what are you liking right now on the data side? Yeah, I, uh, I, I shouldn't really give any advice on that because I no, don't really yeah, feel just... like I've conquered this. I mean, this is going <laughs> to, you know, talk about, you know, another area in which I failed like five times in a row uh, has <laughs> been this area, you know. So, I mean, I, you know, the one thing is, is every time I fail, you know, I say, like, let's let's think about this. What, why did this go wrong? Right. Let's talk to the. <laughs> Let's talk to the person who couldn't do the job and ask them what they think the problem is. Let's talk to other people who are watching from the outside and ask them what they think the problem is. Let's go talk to BI experts and ask them what they think your problem is. You know, so you're just asking everybody like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And then you say, okay, I think I figured out what's wrong. Let's try to do version 2.0 and then version 3.0. Uh, are you, are you, know, you trying to like uh, back into a key metric that you're like, I, oftentimes it's like LTV or AOV or like the gross oh, de uh, like net yeah. profit margin. Yeah. Is yeah, it, like, I what's, mean, one what's of the, the main that, thing for you there? Yeah. One of the things that I learned pretty quickly from the top people in the space and I, and I could realize pretty clearly was that you really needed to understand your customer lifetime value and not just the, the total value of them, but their uh, their value after certain expenses have been taken out. So like sure. you know, refunds, chargebacks, cost of goods sold, ship, uh, shipping and handling. Um, I even take out, you know, the, the, the credit card processing costs and things like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, after that, what Customer is the average fees on top of that? Right. Yeah. I actually, like, no, no, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't take that out because I can control mm -hmm. that. Right. I figure mm -hmm. I can't really control the cost of goods. Can't really control the cost of shipping. I gotcha. mean, you yep. can, but th there's like a limit, right? You're not going to cut your shipping costs in half because you know, <laughs> UPS is not going to do that. Right. You can't cut yeah. your credit card processing in half because the credit card companies aren't going to do that. So you've got limits there. But with customer service, you could potentially go the way, you know, some tech companies go and say, hey, you know, we're going to go email only and cut this thing down to a fraction. Oh, sure. Or, we're, or yeah. we're going to do mm -hmm. the Rolls Royce and do 24-7 American uh, customer service. So you can, you know, you can control that a lot, but you can't really control the other things. So that's why I keep those there. And um, so, you know, with regards to that, um, you know, that that's been sort of the key to ensuring that we don't lose money, right? Like the, the worst you, case. Yeah. Well, I'm curious because are you, how I imagine you're trying to get more comfortable not being break even or profitable in day zero customer acquisition. Is that what you're trying to back into? Uh, well, you know, we, I try to get as much information as I can. So I mm -hmm. look at it, I'll look at intervals of lifetime customer value out from the data purchase. And so we'll say like, well, what it, what is the average lifetime value uh, for a big group of customers? So it's meaningful data after, you know, 30 days after purchase, 60 days. And, you know, you look at all these intervals after a year and then that tells a story, right? You're like, okay, well, maybe all these people, they buy a bunch up front and then maybe they, some of them subscribe to your um, auto shipments. And so you got to, you know, 30% of people on your auto shipments and they're getting auto shipments over time. 
And, uh, and then, you know, it looks like about four months out, you know, that really starts to take a dive. And now your lifetime value on average is only going up by a dollar month to month, not five bucks. And then it, you know, and then it's a fraction of a dollar and it's, you know, it's, it's sort of does that, you know, that curve that goes to zero. So, um, that, you know, that then you're, then you're like, okay, well, let's just measure up to four months. Cause it doesn't really add a whole lot of value after that, something like that. Right. So you say, okay, you know, we're probably going to get most of our money back in four months. And, uh, you know, this is how much we're going to get on the, on the first day. And so, um, you know, then you can figure out like, can I, can I go in the hole in a little bit or do it? Do I not want to at all? Like, I mean, most of the time I would say we, we really don't go in the hole at all, which is a nice. great way to yeah. run the business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because then you don't, you don't have negative cash flow. Uh, so yeah. Awesome. No, thanks, man. No, that's a, yeah. um, no, I've, gosh, I could chat with you all day on this stuff here. Oh yeah. No, this is no, but like, yeah, it's a, it's fun to learn from people like yourself and who've been through it. I'm curious as we get, uh, as we can wrap this up is what, when you look at 2023, there's a lot of stuff going on the news cycle. There's a lot of stuff happening in the world, different, you know, trends in business too, with Facebook, iOS still fighting and things like that. And there's just a lot of uncertainty up there, but what are you most excited about when you kind of look a year from now, um, looking out or future casting it a bit, what really gets you going where you're like, yeah, I'm excited to chew on that. Uh, are you talking about things in my business or things yeah, in, in the your world? business? Yeah. In your business. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, like I said, the business has gone through a big shift, right. From, from this company that was trying to market this one product to trying to create a conveyor belt. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's like becoming, going from an adolescent to becoming an adult, you know, it's that, <laughs> that shift of like going through, through puberty and as painful and awkward as it is and all those things. So, um, you know, I, I think that this year and last year have been really stressful in terms of trying to do that because you've got all these people that are coming in doing things that, that you've never tried to do before as an entrepreneur. And, and a lot of times they've never tried to do right. And you're trying to figure out these solutions to these problems by asking other people for help and coming up with ideas and asking people, well, what do you think the problem is? What do you think the problem is? Um, you know, and having these postmortems and making improvements and stuff. And I, I knew that it would be a challenging process and we'd have to solve a lot of problems doing this because, you know, building a conveyor belt is it, it's complicated. Um, you know, when you talk like listen to like Elon Musk talking mm-hmm. about getting like the assembly line going for the the model three that was you know that was complex and fixing things and tweaking things and what's the problem and what what's going wrong here you know so it's a little bit like that it's a little bit like building a physical assembly line but you've got an assembly line with people and processes and you know you have a lot of people come in and maybe they didn't have all the information that they needed so you've got new people dealing with new people and it's been super educational super challenging but i think that that factory is really going to start to like click into place and the gears are going to start to turn. It's going to start to look like a real factory that doesn't have all these problems or things getting stuck in the gears or (laughs) things falling off the conveyor belt. And then, um, you know, and then, and then it's going to be really cool to sort of see that happen and, and see things sort of like gel and, and get smooth. And, and, you know, then, then I think the the company feels very capable and confident and powerful and, and has an ability to do big things. And I think, 
uh, we'll probably see a lot of growth because of that. A hundred percent. I would agree with that. Yeah. I look at a lot of companies, right. And the ones that the differentiate themselves with scale, uh, they have their backend processes, SOPs, they have their people and teams structured in a way where they're always implementing and changing like you're alluding to, right. But it's, they have structure and they have operations. They've done the boring stuff <laughs> and that lets them do the fun, exciting stuff on the marketing side, the sales side in efficient ways and roll out the split tests in really efficient ways. Cause they have those teams and structures and po- processes in place to really push out cool marketing initiatives quickly and kind of beat their competition that way. So yeah, totally. I can gel with that, man. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'd love to know how, like, what, so you've already mentioned a little bit of what you're kind of looking for now, like finance and data pieces, but if someone has something for you or maybe good affiliates for you, like what's the best way for them to get in touch with pineapple products and kind of get a look at what you're doing? Yeah, I don't, I don't mind giving out my, my personal email here. If people want to email me, it's just Brett, B-R-E-T-T at pineapple.co. So not.com, but .co. Um, you know, I would say we're always looking for, you know, acquisition specialists, media buyers, uh, to hire, always looking for people for our copywriting team. And, you know, we, like I said, I, you know, I got the guy who trained me personally here. So I think it's a great, uh, sort of like unparalleled learning environment for, for copywriters who really want to excel at their craft. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I'm always down to, to talk to consultants, people I can learn from other business owners who might be listening um you know like i said there are lots of other business owners who um help me on my path so you know if somebody's um you know feels like they're 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 kind of coming up the path behind me and wants to chat happy to do that happy to talk to other people who are you know kind of doing in in similar business sizes with similar challenges like i i I like like you said i mean it's a good observation i i think a lot comes from, from having conversations with people. So a hundred percent. And what, uh, what are some of the n- next events you're going to be traveling to? I'll be at ASW in January. I think oh, that's the major the one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. I'll, I think I'll see you out there. I'm trying to figure out if I'll go to that or Onyx and Gall is doing another expert thing right before that up in Baltimore, kind of a few days before that. And yeah, kind of kicking it off again. So, well, Brett, cool. thank you so much for your time. Um, if you've got any other words of wisdom, please feel free to share it here, but I know we're, uh, approaching an hour here. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to share with the affiliated audience. Um, really appreciate what you're doing and yeah, please get in touch with Brett. If you've got a traffic for him or can level up with him, that's Brett at pineapple.co and happy scaling everybody.